You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in Dark Pod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clona Willy or Clona Pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, 
This is a deal that cannot be cloned. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark. I am your deliciously disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this episode started, y'all. First things first, before we get into the episode today, I want to talk about the Patreon tiers. So for years, I've kept the Patreon tier at $1 a month and up to $5 a month, and I also added yearly amounts to make it more accessible. Now, for the $1 amount, I was going to give you a shout-out on the air and the show one day early. I want to revamp what the tiers are, and I have no idea what I want them to be yet, but I want to give you a little bit more bang for your buck and give you something more for maybe like a $2 tier or a $3 tier, um, or whatever you can really afford, but I'd like to do that, and I want to know from you the Disability After Dark audience, what kind of things you would want in brand new tiers and what kind of things would work for you to want to pledge more, to make you be able to pledge more, what would work for you and what kind of things from Disability After Dark would be a nice little perk as a Patreon supporter. Um, I will obviously keep the $1 tier and the, the all, the, all the tiers we currently have, but I want to add more to give you just, you know, to to be to have more variety as a Patreon supporter because I really do appreciate the support. So if you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail dot com, just with the subject line um, DAD Patreon tiers, let me know what kind of tier changes you want to see, and I would love to chat it over with you and talk about what kind of things would be both cool and accessible for you. But if you want to pledge to the current tiers, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. And when you do that, you get the show one day early and completely ad-free on our Patreon RSS feed. So that's cool. You can also pledge a yearly amount if that works for you, whatever works for you. But you can do that at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Another really cool thing that I want to mention, we will finally soon have some proper Disability After Dark merch. The people at Public reached out to me and said, Andrew, we love your show. Do you want to have merch for your show? And I, I have wanted to talk about Disability After Dark merch for pretty much 
the whole amount of time that this podcast has been on the air. I know we're not the hugest podcast and we're not the biggest one, but I think having merch around disability around this show is cool. And they approached me and said, we want to make merch for you. So I am working with them to do a little merch launch. We're going to be actually talking on the day of this recording. We're going to talk tomorrow. So I will let you know very soon when we have something to announce, but it's coming and I've seen some preliminary designs and I am so excited. Get ready. It's going to be, it's going to be so awesome. And I can't wait for you to be out there wearing your Disability After Dark merch soon. How cool is that, right? So stay tuned for that. But now, let's get on to the show. Actually, wait, quick sidebar before we start the show. I also want to look for new episodes and new topics and new things that you'd want me to talk about. Like, if I don't have a guest, what kind of things around the disability experience do you think we need to have a big bright light shone on? And how can I do that for you? And how can I how can I do like research episodes and different kinds of episodes that really spark your interest in disability? So whether you're listening and you're disabled or you're not disabled and you have things that you want to learn about around the disability experience, let me know by again going to that email disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear and I would love to put together some some just a whole bunch of new episodes and it really is very helpful to me and supportive to me as well to keep the show go to, to keep the show going and of course of course you can be a guest by going to my Instagram or my Twitter at Andrew Grizzle underscore and there are links in my bio as to where you can sign up to be a guest but I would love so much to have you and this show is for you to share your stories to bring questions to bring experiences about disability that we can shine a bright light on together. But now, now, on to the show. On the show today, I sit down with my new friend Jojo, and Jojo and I talk about Jojo's experience being a an asexual person on the asexual spectrum and living with a disability and how those two things intersect and what that means for Jojo. And we also talk about Jojo, Jojo's multiple experiences of Jojo coming out and Jojo's um, experiences coming out as asexual and coming out as disabled and we have a whole bunch of conversations around those things and around identity and around labels and all that stuff and I love sitting down with Jojo because Jojo is the first asexual disabled person that I think I've had an in-depth conversation with around sex and disability, and there may have been others, but I'm sorry if I forget you, but Jojo is one of the ones that I really enjoyed sitting down with, and Jojo, um, Jojo also doesn't use pronouns, which is why I'm saying Jojo a lot, and why I'm saying Jojo's name a lot, because Jojo doesn't want to use pronouns, so I'm trying to respect that. So I loved sitting down with Jojo talking about identity and disability and asexuality and all these things, and I hope you do too. It was a great interview and a great way to explore different intersections of identity and how they interact with disability, which is what I love doing on the show. And so I hope you enjoy my interview with Jojo right now, who is hella queer and hella disabled. And here is the interview. Get ready. 
Jojo, hello. Hi. Hi, it's so nice to have you on Disability After Dark. I'm so happy to, I'm so excited because I'm so happy to be here. I'm the most excited because you, the when you knew you were coming on, you sent out a bunch of Instagram and tweets and like, yeah, you're here. So it's really cool to like know that you're so excited to be here. I'm really glad. Yes, I was so excited. I was like, I really need to talk about this, but also like, is that okay? I don't know. And and then I was just like, hell with it. Just like, I'm excited. I'm talking about this. <laughs> I'm really glad you're here. I also love that just before we got on, you sent out a tweet that was like, you're going to dress up for this. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. They like dressed up. No one has dressed up for my podcast before. That felt super nice. Um, so thank well, you so much for that. That means I'm the best. So awesome. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> it does mean you're the best. You're the best guest so far. No, 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 I'm kidding. Everybody, all the guests are great. I love you all. But you are here today. And I'm, I'm excited you're here. Um, can you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and um, we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so my name is, as you said, Jojo. And my pronouns are they, them, but I really just prefer not using pronouns at all. And um, yeah, I am disabled and I have, um, well, I uh, live with spina bifida and hydrocephalus and um, use a wheelchair. And um, yeah, I'm also really freaking queer. So that's pretty much it. That's super awesome. Now tell me a little bit about how Spina Bifida, because it's funny because I just spoke with somebody somebody who had Spina Bifida when I recorded yesterday and their their level of Spina Bifida looks from what I can see on camera completely different to yours and they didn't use a wheelchair at all. Well, that's not true. They did use a wheelchair for longer distances but not for all the time and it looks like you're a full-time wheelchair user yes that's correct I yeah just all the time so tell me a little bit more about how your disabilities impact your day today yeah I mean it's kind of a a two-sided thing I would say because I mean being unable to walk it's great having a wheelchair because that's the way that I can like get around and stuff um so that's great to be able to be mobile and to go out places and then it gets really shitty when (laughs) you have to go somewhere and for reasons that people just didn't think about making that accessible you can't (laughs) yeah no, it's so it's, that that's the part that's like, uh, god damn it. <laughs> and you're a manual chair user, right? Yeah, so like for me, I always kind of envy manual chair users because you guys can get into like really tight spaces. That for me, as a, as a power chair user, like there's no way in hell I'm getting into some of the places oh, for that I've sure. seen you guys go, yes. So that's, um, that is another thing, I guess, that um, is nice that, like, there are 
there are still places that like I can get around, which is really nice. Um, it's yeah. just that for me, I feel like it's the like occasional like noticing an oversight that someone didn't have. Like we should really make that make a way for a person to get in there. <laughs> it's like Yeah, like why did no one consult a disabled person? Exactly. Um tell me a little bit more about about just about your disability and how and like like where are you based again? I'm in um Washington state. Okay. Um, so it's it's not super cold there all the time, right? It's 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 not super cold, no. Um it's kind of cloudy and rainy at at this moment. So it's like yeah. wheelchair friendly weather. It's like easy, like you wouldn't have to deal with like huge snow all the time. Yeah, no. We do get snow in the winters every so often. Um and I guess kind of ironically, that's one reason that COVID has been a little bit nice-ish. <laughs> like, I didn't really have to go out and do anything. So I was like, well, yeah, there's snow, but I don't have to go anywhere. So, <laughs> Other than being, being a wheelchair user and being and having spina bifida, how does spina bifida impact you? Yeah, um, so it affects, I mean, obviously that um, I can't walk, but then also there is some, um, like, developmental, um, like, issues that go along with that, I would say. Like, I was never super great, I mean, I got good good grades in school but it was really hard to like grasp concepts and things so like I needed a lot of help in that area because I was just like it took a lot longer for me to like I don't get this what is going on (laughs) like I felt that way a lot too as somebody with CP and having you know some brain stuff I felt like I could understand most concepts but there would be like one or two that I was like I don't I don't know if I can do this and I don't know how to yes and I I still struggle with things like north south east west and like spatial awareness and like I don't know how to do any of that because of my disabilities I fully understand that totally um but I want to shift gears into kind of like the big reason you're here and one of the one of my one of your questionnaire was probably one of my favorites when I looked into like your you your answers for why you wanted to be on the show, the very first thing you said was, I'm hella asexual. And I was like, okay, well, this is obviously why JoJo is going to be here today. And I I was immediately like excited because, you know, in the disability community, we have to fight so much around the stigma that we are inherently asexual. And so, <laughs> so many of us like often in my work as a sex and disability educator and just a sex and disability kind of person in the world putting out stuff, I'll constantly say stuff like, oh yeah, I totally want to have sex. And oh yeah, I totally want, like, I'll, I'll be very forthcoming with how I want to, you know, have sex. And so I remember, and, and you wanted to come on the show, made me think of a time a couple of years ago 
when I met somebody at a talk, I was doing a talk in Toronto and they had, they came up to me and I was doing like, what, what are some of the mythologies around sex and disability? And of course I hit on, we're all asexual. And so I did it and I made a joke about how like, that's a myth and like, that's not true. And so like, I was new to the, like the advocacy game and I didn't, I didn't realize. So I said, oh yeah, no, we're not all asexual. And then this, this person came up to me and whispered, I'm disabled and asexual. And I remember the time not knowing what to do and being like, oh, cool. Thanks for sharing. And I always thought about like, oh, there can be disabled asexuals out there. And like, it always kind of stuck in the back of my mind. And this is kind of the first time where I've been able to have an in-depth conversation with a disabled asexual. So I'm very excited because it helps me to grow and like understand the nuances and, and the kind of spectrum of sexuality. So thank you for that. Yeah. <clears throat> you're welcome <laughs> um tell me a little bit about like I love how you said you're hella asexual like what does being hella asexual mean to you and like what and like can you kind of share yeah. that with us and like that journey yeah well um <laughs> so I phrase it that way because um the I guess the uh you know official title or not title, but um, label is a sexual, which is um, an asexual person who is sex averse. Um, but yeah, it, I kind my figuring that out was really interesting because, um, as you were saying, like it's just kind of a um like a misconception I guess about yeah. um, disabled people that like well that's just a thing <laughs> which is totally wrong but um and I think that's why it took me so long really to um be able to come to that conclusion that like that label fits because yep. I have, like, I've known that, like, I didn't like um, the idea or, like, the concept of being sexually active for, or, like, just in general, like, being, having sex um, for a long time, like, I would just, like, always be uncomfortable, <laughs> really, around it. And, but then I was just like, well, you know, that's just whatever. Just put that off of your brain for, you know. And then finally, um, I found this label that was um, apothesexual that like, I felt like, wow, that fits. <laughs> like, that, that makes sense to me. <laughs> and, and so, so like, sorry. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, just like as soon as um, that label, and I feel like this happens like every time that I've come up with a new label, it was always because I just didn't know about it. <laughs> and then it came up and I was like, oh, that's the it's thing. Me. <laughs> like, um, yeah, so then I um, had this label that fit finally. And then I was like, but I've 
always been that way. So what was it really that like, why wasn't I able to figure this out sooner? <laughs> kind of. And um, the, and then that's when I kind of started grappling with that, like, well, it's just that disabled people are kind of like, that's just a given. <laughs> like, yeah, like, we're supposed to be we're supposed to be asexual. So, did you struggle with like, like trying to be? Because I know that some people, I've heard from some people who are asexual, have struggled with this feeling to be they need to be hypersexual and hyper the other way to be like to to like prove to themselves and others that they they weren't like they weren't really asexual. Yeah, no, I I know what you're saying. I didn't really have that um, experience. I think that um, I was just kind of um, always like hyper romantic attraction in a way. So like that's always been the thing that like my focus has been on. Just like, dang, they're pretty. <laughs> like I like them a lot <laughs> and they're so you'd rather go you'd rather go on a date than like get down yes <laughs> like but but I mean <clears throat> you know my question as like an as like someone who doesn't identify as asexual is like okay so you go on a date you mm. hang out everything's good and the expected like next step would be like sexy time so they had what do you so my question, I guess, is like, what is, what is the next step when you don't want to engage in sex? Yeah, well, I think, <laughs> and I feel like such a nerd or whatever saying this, but I feel like the, like, kind of the height of, like, that sort of, like, the height of what intimacy would be for me is just, like, having a really good conversation <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> like there's like no prep work into that because usually when you like prep for a hookup or sex there's all this like you gotta clean you gotta wash there's all this stuff and like all you gotta do is talk that's kind of awesome yeah <laughs> um so tell me a little bit more about the journey for you of like like because you kind of said you like eventually reached this 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 label for yourself but but I'm sure there was like a journey to get to there tell me a little bit about that journey of like getting to that place where that label felt good yeah well um I think when I was younger um I kind of there was the assumption in my brain that like not really knowing or like not really assuming that I was um, allosexual, but um, like just that I'm just, you know, sex. Okay, that's a, that's a thing that's gonna happen at some point. Because <laughs> like, obviously people do that. Um, but then, um, so that was like most of my like, 
growing up and like adolescent years that was kind of like it wasn't ever the focus yep but I think it was just like in the back of my mind like well clearly because yeah um but then I and with that I kind of just had um along with that the assumption that like I'll feel like it at some point (laughs) you know oh so you were like constantly like eventually the feelings will come I'll meet somebody that I really want to do this with and it'll just happen yeah exactly like this this feeling will happen at some point like even like because I don't have it right now does not mean that you know and then the longer that I kind of um was feeling that I was just like you know what maybe it's not gonna come and maybe I'm totally fine with that (laughs) I feel like there's a sex pun about not coming in there but uh (laughs) (laughs) oh you said it not me (laughs) okay so then so what would tell me about the day like when you what does it feel like to have that label fit yeah um so I actually remember um like when I finally figured out that like I think I was like researching online or something for or or maybe it was even just like in the trending Instagram posted that day or whatever um but I remember like seeing that word and like the description of it and just kind of everything kind of like almost when you hear about like someone's life flashing like in front of them just like everything aligning and just being like oh that's that's what it is oh it's me everything makes sense now and so was it a sense of like relief when you saw that or was it like a fear of like great I have to come out about this now too or like what <laughs> Um I no it was definitely a relief um just because and I, I actually really I, I mean I enjoy like every time that I'm able to come out because I'm just like hey I know about what this is and now you do too. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels, I, I will say that coming out as disabled and coming out as queer and coming out of all the ways that we have to is not an easy journey. Um, speaking of that, and this is not a question I wrote down, but since we're talking about it, what has your journey been like coming out as, as disabled? And I mean, clearly like it's visible, but as we know, the journey of coming out as disabled, even when you can see it, is a long and like windy process. So, how has it been for you? Yeah, um, that's it's been uh, rocky until recently. I would say, <laughs> like, um, I feel like um, navigating like childhood and everything, like, like elementary school and all that stuff I feel like there was like just the internalized ableism of like oh 
I'm in the way. <laughs> I'm a burden. <laughs> yeah. I don't think then, I ever. I don't think I ever felt the way. I don't think I ever felt like I'm a burden. I never felt those. Like I never felt that sentence, and I never put those words together. But I definitely can remember feeling like oh, I'm in the way here. I'm, yes, I'm in, and I, sh- I should get out of the way. Yes, that I feel like that's the biggest thing, like the biggest like feeling that I remember having throughout my life is just like I don't know if anyone is coming this way but I know I'm in the way of something yeah I should probably get out of the way here like I definitely have felt that a lot yes and um, that's been an experience yeah so I always just kind of was like had that feeling in that experience in the back of like not even in the back of my mind just like it was there and then um kind of as I started to go into like adulthood and like teenage or like teenager adult kind of thing I started to really be conscious of that and like I don't want to feel like that. <laughs> That's not a nice feeling. <laughs> no. Can you so, kind of dis- describe for people that don't understand what, like, what did that feeling feel like for you? What does it feel like physically in your body? Do you remember? Because I remember my ableism feels like I get hot in the chest. I get like, I get really uncomfortable right away. As soon as I experience ableism, it's just a, it's like a pit in my chest that like sits there do you is there a physical manifestation of that for you oh that's a very good question um good job um so (laughs) I, i feel like it for me it just feels like um kind of like physically just feeling like a burden myself like in a way like not um like I just feel heavy and yeah, like because you feel like you're in the way like, right and like I'm not able to move <laughs> I can remember the feeling of of in the way when I was a kid I can remember feeling like I have to get out of the way really fast and if I get out of the way really fast I will have done the right thing I will yes. have done the. I, I will be a good disabled kid if I get out of the way and I don't bother these other people. Then I've done it right. Yes, it's like oh, oh my goodness. There's a a movie quote that I can't remember where it comes from, but it describes that perfectly. It's like, don't move, don't breathe, don't do anything, <laughs> and just like be small <laughs> sounds like it could be any action film from the 80s like honestly um, it probably could, was but could be like top gun could be like mission impossible could be like could be like any action film from the 80s or 90s i don't know but yeah yeah no, that, that, i mean i would say that's how ableism felt when i was a kid and now it feels i get crunchy in my chest and i just get like uncomfy and it sits like a pin in my stomach Mm. What does it feel like? And like, so now what does it feel like for you? Yeah. Uh, 
Now it kind of feels like, huh. Honestly, right now it feels like just the, I was like metaphysically slapped in the face is what it feels so like. It's, it's, it's like one big emotional like slap. slap. Yeah. Oh, that's heavy, but you know that is that is that is you know pretty pretty accurate. That's pretty much how it does feel when you're confronted with ableism. Mm-hmm. Um, another question that I didn't write down, but I want to ask you because I have I have just started using they and he pronouns to describe myself uh-huh. and my theyness, and I, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet. So yay, my experience with being with using they. Is because I haven't felt super comfortable in queer male spaces, and I feel like my body and my disabled experience often doesn't fit mm. with other queer men. So they felt like a nice kind of way to encapsulate all of that feeling and mm. not have to give a label to it. And so I'm curious, from another disabled person that uses they, them, and their pronouns, what it what did that what was that pronoun journey like for you and is there any connection to disability there yeah um well first of all i have to say i saw you talking about that on your social media and i was just like yes that's so good (laughs) um (laughs) aside from that um so uh yeah the pronoun thing so i was um Yeah, it was just kind of as simple as she doesn't fit anymore. He doesn't fit, as far as I know. And so they was just kind of my... They kind of, like, encapsulated everything. Like, I knew I wasn't either of the, you know... The binaries. Binaries, thank you. And so they kind of encapsulated everything else that I could be, in a way. <laughs> I like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't a li- like the same thing for me. It's not a limiting, it's not a limiting word. It's not saying that I won't be either of these things. It's saying I could be something so much greater, and I could be something so much bigger than that. And so for me, for me, my thingness just allows all of the sticky, icky parts of disability and parts of my experience that don't fall into specifically queer male to be kind of, to be in that. And I think that feels super nice. Yeah. And um, I actually, um, like when I recently, or no, excuse me. (laughs) Um, When I kind of first came out, I got a tattoo that is a quote that says, I contain multitudes. (laughs) And like the more that I start to come out and the more that I like, like when I discovered that like they fit or like that they them fit, like I kind of realized that like that's it. (laughs) That like, like I contain all of these things that other words and other like 
thoughts of like binary and every all those things just and gender things don't match yeah um and just to circle back a little bit on the end tail end of the question does the disability play a role in that at all or is it more just like the yeah it no it definitely does um because i think that is um like part of the multitudes of like like how my disability and my gender can like create this thing that's my experience like they they coexist in a way that like create something that is me in a way that like if I wasn't disabled and if I wasn't any of these other things it wouldn't be like that yeah that makes sense so so disability allows you kind of to explore your thingness because it's Mm -hmm. part of you yes it's it's part of the multitudes I like that I like that I like that and I like the I like that tattoo and I kind of want to seal it now uh oh I like that and it's got it's good for those who can't see it's um it's on Jojo's it's arm, a and it's got rainbow gonna... on the bottom. I like, it's... yeah, it's got a little rainbow on the bottom, and it says I contain multitudes with an yeah. ellipsis at the bottom at the end. It's mm-hmm. really great. I love that. I love that a lot. That's awesome. Thank you. And I kind of wanted to. Sh- I, I didn't write this down, but I had just had a, I had a thought when you were talking. I wonder if you know you very quickly said I'm a disabled person at the beginning. Does what was it? Did you come to a place where choosing that label for yourself was important? Yeah. um, So I think um, specifically, um, I went through a little while where I um, used, um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, but um, like, called myself a person with a disability for a while yep (laughs) which if that feels comfortable to people that is awesome um but I felt like um just like calling myself a disabled person like kind of almost gave it less of like uh like a gravity kind of hold on me because it's a descriptor in that way. Um, So it's not like, I mean, like I'm a person with this thing that's, you know. You're carrying around that's like, because sometimes I feel when, when, and for me personally, this is not for anybody else, but for me personally, when, and sometimes I'll use personal disability, but if I really think about it, in the way you described, I'm not carrying my disability with me. It's inside me. It's a part of me. So right. disabled, disabled person is like, allows for that to be, to be, for it to be a part of you and not something you're dragging along. Right, exactly. Yes. But again, anybody who uses PWD, that's totally cool with me. That's just how I feel about it. Just want to make that very clear before we go on. Yes. Um. Any other thoughts on disabled person 
that you want to share for uh, you? No, I think I really like the, or just the way that you put it was perfect. That just like, it's like calling myself a disabled, like a disabled person is like, it describes me. It's not like this thing that like i have to carry around <laughs> that yeah like you're not carrying your disability really like a bag yeah yeah um i want to jump back because i was just thinking about something you said a minute ago you said the height of in- the height of intimacy for you is conversation so i'm wondering yeah. what is like okay what is like the sexiest like hottest conversation you could have with somebody about something that you're like yeah this topic will get me really turned on oh my god Gosh. Okay. Um, so we're we're going here. Um. Well, I mean, in terms of like something that I can just talk and talk and talk about, and like it never gets. Yeah, old. it doesn't have doesn't have to be like sexy. Yeah, it can be like, like nerdy. Can it, be like whatever. Yeah. I am such a like mental health and like um mental like theory nerd (laughs) that like talking about like psychology um concepts or like just things like counseling talk basically (laughs) is like I love that so much you should meet my best friend Kristen she's going through school right now to be a, a to be a mental health counselor and she has disabilities and she you and her could sit for hours and have like the deepest mental health talks that I'll never be able to get into because it's not my yeah. thing but I'm, I'm happy for I'm happy that it's yours yeah it's not yeah definitely not for everyone but it's like the best thing for me <laughs> awesome that's so cool and I think it's important we have more disabled people talking about mental health because mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole other, that discussion of disability and mental health is so, and it's funny because I said this in a tweet yesterday. It's like, you read my mind and now now the tweets are all coming in the pocket. But I said in the tweet yesterday that like, you know, we often disregard mental health and disability. We need we need to do more of that. So it's really cool that, that yes, those kind of conversations you, get you excited. You Yes, you said that yesterday and I like immediately favorited it because I was just like, this guy. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of the best. Yes. I'm kind of the best. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but tell me a little bit about um, the, because we, well, we talked a little bit about this already, but tell me more about the internal struggle you had kind of realizing that you were asexual and what some, or what are some of the biases or the biases that you had to overcome within yourself other than oh, I'll just have sex eventually. Like, what other stuff did you think about? Yeah. Um, so I think... Um, I think another thing, and it kind of ties along, or ties with something we were mentioning earlier, just like that I had the um, bias that like... Like, in some way that disabled people were asexual (laughs) like and so I'm like like kind of 
when I realize it, like, oh no, I like this is in my brain now. And then I'm like, oh no, maybe I'm just feeding into all of this. Stereotype, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that was um, a huge thing. And then the other thing, just um, other people, <laughs> like, like being worried about like, uh so many people are not gonna get this <laughs> and and like kind of the mentality that I guess for me goes with um part of um being disabled and ableism and all that is like yeah I want to make sense to people <laughs> like yeah I want, I want them to, to understand me as, like make it as easy for them to understand me as possible and this is not easy to get so yeah it's a it's a weird place you live in in terms of like that in terms of that like a weird place to be because it's either really hard to understand or unfortunately because we already assume that disabled people are asexual it would be way too easy for them to go oh yeah of course you're asexual like of course you are so like would you ever feel or have you ever felt a pressure? Like if if you said I'm asexual and somebody just went, okay, like does did you? I know exactly what. Yes, like I and I do have that pressure sometimes. Like because I've had people or like I've had the um, conversations like, oh, I'm asexual, and then someone's like, okay, but I wanted to be like, no, but really. <laughs> I am actually asexual. Yeah, it has nothing it's not to do with the fact that I'm in a wheelchair. Has nothing to do with anything. Just get that. <laughs> As an asexual disabled person, have you ever had the opposite reaction where you said you're asexual and somebody went, "Well, you should be fighting harder for your sexual rights, and you should be like, you should be like, trying harder, and you should be like, you know, getting that sexuality that we're all." entitled to has that ever come your way because i would worry that that would be a thing um not really which i'm grateful about now that i think about it <laughs> like that's yeah if that's good though i'm glad i'm glad you haven't brushed up against that what yeah. has the um what has the response from other disabled people been like when you said you're asexual um i think um i've been really lucky i guess in that um whenever i do mention to another uh disabled person that i'm asexual like it's been super chill and positive like every conversation I've had has just been like, oh, that's great. (laughs) That's good because when I I initially came out as gay, like before I started using queer and before I realized like what what I really was feeling and I would come out to other disabled people as gay, they would say to me, and this was back in college, this was when we were like in our mid-20s, the disabled people that I hung out with would laugh and say, oh, you're not gay, you just need to find the right person and it's because of your disability that you're feeling this and so like I would constantly have to be like nope I like dudes I'm a dude who likes dudes and I happen to be in a wheelchair and like 
that has nothing to do with it. I just like dudes. Yeah, and I... <laughs> so, I do have to say that, like, with being asexual, that's, like, it hasn't ever come up, but with my, um, like, with my romantic identity, is <laughs> like, basically being, like, everyone's cute, <laughs> and, like, I just want cuddles. That's it. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm there like, for that. Yes. Um, there were a lot of, like, questions around that, which I'm fine talking about and just, like, explaining, like, romantic stuff. Because I... I'm hella romantic. I like talking about romance. It's really fun. Um, so. So there were disabled people that couldn't quite get their head around, like, if you're asexual, how are you romantic? Yeah. That's, that has been, like, the, the one thing that's like, oh, this is kind of an issue. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not really. I mean, but But I can understand that because when I first learned about sexuality and all the different like you know that whole spectrum i was like with this i my brain needs a minute to like figure this out what so you mm. don't want to have like like i asked you earlier like you know the the when we think of a date we think of like dinner a movie okay we're gonna like move to the next step and the next step should be sex so like it even took me a second to be like oh what explain this to me so like i get it but i think the more and more disabled people like you talk openly about asexuality, it's so important because we don't hear about it enough. And to that girl from that talk that I gave like six years ago that I like didn't know how to answer you, I'm so sorry that I didn't have answers for you. And I'm so sorry that I kind of didn't respond to you when you were trying to like tell me that you were asexual and you were trying to come out to me. I, first of all, thank you for telling me girl in the audience and now like, I have so many more answers and so many more things that I can like speak to. And it's all because of this conversation here. So Jojo, I want to thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I want to ask you also, I want to ask you, um, what is some advice that you would give to other disabled people who want to come out as asexual? And, but, but what if they're like afraid to perpetuate the ableist ideas you know the, the one the thing we've been talking about all the way through that like oh my god what if they what if they're gonna think that i'm always asexual like what did, from your journey doing this what advice would you give to them yeah um <laughs> uh so my advice would frankly be like that's not on you <laughs> in the slightest like you it like speaking to this person hypothetically like yeah. this is your identity and your label and it's true for you so who cares about the other person who is like thinking that you're perpetuating this you know able to stereotype because and it's like, about it's, it's about you. <laughs> yeah, totally, completely. And it's not your job 
to it's not your job to what do I want to say? I just lost my train of thought there. It isn't your job to to fix it for them. It isn't your job to make every disabled person not asexual, period. Like it's not your job. Exactly. To, like it isn't it, it isn't on you. That's a lot of pressure to put on you. Yeah, and nobody needs that. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, my last question for you, Jojo, is this. Well, it's a two-parter, actually. What is the best part of being asexual? Mm-hmm. And what is the worst part of being asexual? Uh, yeah. I think, and actually, I feel like um, I have, I can answer this like with one answer and it's kind of two part or like two sides of the same thing. Yeah. Being that like being asexual for me um, is kind of like disabled and asexual particularly is like the consciousness that like nobody has been able to understand that and define that yet. So you can just be whatever you want to be and it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. And also most of the definitions we use to describe like disability justice stuff and sexual justice stuff and social justice stuff have been created in university classrooms and have been created in theory and never really put into like, practice so what i'm saying is people create these things all the time in in essays and in like you know really highbrow stuff so you can be whatever the fuck you want and doesn't matter because language is a construct and like theories are constructs and things can change and shift and evolve and it's okay exactly and um like along with the like yes things like change and evolve and like all that and then also just the fact that um, the um, and this kind of goes along with it, like being the worst too, is that like the concept or like the label and the concept of being disabled and asexual, like in a way is like so outside of the like consciousness of society and everything that it's just like. I'm here. I look like this. What's up? <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm a person, right? Like, and like, I'm not, again, I'm not, like, similarly to like the idea of theories and all that stuff. Like, you're not just an idea. You're not exactly. just a stereotype. You're a real person that really exists. And like, we, I think disabled people and non disabled people need to be more cognizant of the fact that, like, because I say it in my work all the time that disabled people, and I, are not I used to say I used to say disabled people are not asexual and now I say disabled people are not usually asexual but a lot of the, a lot of us are and that's okay too and I'm trying to like really expand the way I say it so that if anybody is listening to what I do they don't think that I'm not including them because I'm trying to be more inclusive so so no and especially since I knew this interview was coming out but like I've definitely been trying to change all, all my wording and stuff that I do and stuff for handy. I try to be really, I'm trying to be really like 
careful how we say it so that everyone feels included. Mm-hmm. This was awesome. I really had fun sitting down with you. Um, yeah. We're just at about the hour mark. Was there anything, any last things you wanted to say before we kick off? Um, no, I think that was covered everything. That was great conversation. Thank you. Oh, I had so much fun and it was such a pleasure because I see your social media and I see you like all my stuff. So it's nice to like put a face to the name all the time. And so I really appreciate that. Um, how can the people listening get a hold of you? Can they follow you? Yeah. Um, so I am on um, mostly on Twitter and Instagram. And both of those handles are Jojo is a potato. <laughs> because potatoes are potatoes. adorable. <laughs> they are. I, you know, I sometimes call myself a potato because I like to play with the idea that people think disabled people are vegetables. So I'm like, well, if you're going to call me, if you're going to think I'm a vegetable, I want to be a potato, obviously. It's- like, honestly, like I call myself, well, I say that I'm a potato and a bean just because I'm like, I'm cute. Deal with it. <laughs> I like potato. I'm down with it. From from one fellow potato to another potato, I support this. Um, thank but you. But Jojo, this was so fun to have you. And thank you for being so um, wanting to talk about being asexual and disabled. I think it's such an important conversation that we're not having enough of. So go out in the world and have more conversations like this. And uh, thank you for being here today. Yes, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Well, that's another beautiful episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. Thank you so much for sticking around and for listening and being there for every episode of the show. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com and you can book me for talks and see more of what I'm doing. You can also follow me on my Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore. That's where I do a lot of my disability justice and social justice stuff around disability. Have a lot of great conversations around disability and try to make disability accessible to everyone there. So follow me there. If you want to follow the podcast, you can download it on any podcast player, as well as you can go to the, our Twitter, our Disability After Dark Twitter, DisAftDarkPod on Twitter. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to support the show, again, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark to pledge as little as $1 a month or $5 a month. Also, please, wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a five-star review. It really helps getting getting the show noticed. Also, if you want to be on the show, pop me an email at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Let me know your suggestions for show ideas, things you want to hear on the show, stories about disability that you want a light shot on. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your delectable host, Andrew Gerza, let's stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll be back soon. Thanks, friends. Bye. Copyright notice. 
Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021